0: This is the One Thing Podcast where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. For all of you who are business owners, this episode is for you. And we ask you the question, why'd you get into business in the first place? It's probably because you wanted financial freedom. It's probably because you wanted flexibility. And yet the stats show that the majority of small business owners don't have those things. And it's because there's one thing that they don't do. if they started doing immediately, would guarantee that they are profitable for the rest of their life. The person you're going to meet today is going to walk you through a very simple plan. Pay attention to what the lead domino is because it is so small, it will feel like cheating. And yet, when you knock that baby over, you will be well on your way to living a life of profitability. We also want to let you know that you have a unique opportunity to join this individual with us live. Each month, we host a One Thing monthly webinar where we feature a best selling author whose book we believe is highly aligned with the One Thing. This is to help you get exposed to books that we think will bring value, to you, as well as to interact with them directly we are going to have this individual on not only to talk about Profit First, but to also feature his brand new book called Fix This Next, which is very aligned with The One Thing and also all the challenges that we are facing right now in the world. If you would like the chance to get to interact with him and submit your questions so that we can ask him directly, go to the onething.com slash monthly webinar. That's the onething.com with the number one in the URL, the onething.com slash monthly webinar webinar, and you can join us there. With that, let's get into this episode with best-selling author of the book, Profit First, and the upcoming book, Fix This Next, Mike Michalowicz.
1: Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is, Factor has delicious, ready-to-eat meals that are ever-fresh and never-frozen
0: Where did this idea of Profit First come from? It, it came, Jeff, from my own,
2: honestly, desperate needs. And uh, I had uh, grown a couple of businesses, sold them. They were, they were multi-million dollar businesses, which it can sound nice and impressive on a resume. They were not that impressive. But I sold them and became uh, a millionaire in my early 30s and thought i had figured out you know, business. I knew it inside and out. And uh, so I started a third business thinking I just got to do more of them doing, but just bigger and better. And the third business was a calamity. I, I had no clue what I was doing. became an angel investor and I, I wiped out all my wealth. Plus, I was chock full of arrogance and ignorance. Like, I was just thought I was hot. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and I wasn't. And I think God had a greater plan for me. Uh, I, I lost everything I made. The only thing I didn't lose was my family. I mean, I lost my house, I lost my possessions, I lost everything. And um, I had to start again. And uh, I, I made profit first because I, I realized, after I lost everything, that I did not understand the fundamentals of business operations. I, I didn't know how finances worked. I didn't know how the other elements worked. So what I did was I, I, I just observed my own behavior of how I managed the finances, which wasn't through the accounting system. It wasn't through reading a balance sheet and tying into an income statement. It was through logging to my bank account and running my business off my bank account, which I've been told is the worst way to do it. And I believe is actually the best way. I just set up a system, you know, keep logging to my bank account, but set up these accounts at the bank, pre-allocate money to its intended use before spending it, and then I'll start working within the confines of what's available. And uh, so I, I did profit first for myself, and it, t- it turned my life around. And that's why I ultimately started to write about it.
0: Okay. So give, it, give, us, give us a high level of what Profit First is.
2: Yeah. So the, the high level is this. Profit First is a cash management system. It's not an accounting system. And some people, when they hear the, <laughs> hear the concept, they get it confused. And what I mean is it simply gives you direction on managing your cash flow and ensuring profitability. The foundational premise is this. Traditional accounting tells us that profit comes last. It's sales minus expenses equals profit. In fact, it's even in our vernacular, we call profit the bottom line or the year end, mm-hmm. which I believe are the worst terms we could ever use. Because that formula and those terms all tell us that profit comes last. And it's human nature that when something comes last, it means it's insignificant. So, you know, you would never say, you know, my friends, they're, they're the, on the bottom of my list or they're bottom feeders. <laughs> you, you would never say, like, you know, my health... Um, my health come is so important to me, that's why I put it last. Of course not. You say I put my health first or I put my friends first, my family first. So it's human nature. What comes first gets done. What comes last gets delayed. And we're told that profit comes last or it's the year end or, the, you know, or, or it's the bottom line. We're saying, ignore it for now and maybe it'll come in the future. And it never does. So the premise of profit first is we flip the formula to be sales minus profit equals expenses. And in execution, when... Revenue comes in from a sale or transaction of any type, we deposit into our bank account, and then instead of saying, oh, I have all this money to spend, we allocate a portion of that money first toward profit. Now, in the full implementation of profit first, it's not just the profit account. We also allocate money toward the owner's compensation. which compensation is basically the payroll for the owner, different than the profit distribution. Then we allocate money toward taxes when, when tax time comes, which... I believe, is, I'd argue, is the biggest bill for most businesses associated with the operations of a business, yet is, we're the least prepared for. It. So we're going to allocate money toward taxes, and then we're going to allocate money toward OPEX. And with the money allocated out this way, now when I log into my bank account, I know exactly how much money is reserved for a profit distribution, how much is available to pay myself, I have security that my taxes are being reserved, and in the OPEX account, I see what's truly available to operate my business.
0: You touched on a few things there that I I think are extremely important. First, I had an aha, which is, we talk so much about lining your dominoes up and making sure that you are clear on what that lead domino is. And for every business, the purpose of the business is to make a profit. Not their mission. Their mission might be impact or something like that. Yet the one thing of the business is profit, which funds the ability to live their mission. Yet so many of us, when we do our financials, it's the last line. Yeah, it's,
2: it's crazy. And the association with profit, some people are, are negative. When they hear profit first, like, oh, are you all about money? I'm like, not really. I'm all about being of service, of having impact. And money is the lifeblood for that. W- without profit, you don't have sustainability. Sadly, there was a statistic, and I don't know the original source. I know the SBA was involved in part, but I don't know if the SBA was the one who conducted this part of the study. The SBA identified in the U.S. there's 25 million small—I'm sorry, 28 million small businesses, 25 uh, doing 25 million dollars in revenue or less. So, if anyone listening does 25 million dollars in revenue or less, and you have your own LLC or Sole proprietorship or anything, you're considered a small business by the SBA. And they identify that 83% of small businesses in the US are surviving check by check. Now, this went to be on to go uh, to be a global study, there's 180 million small businesses, $25 million in revenue or less. That's my business. And of all these businesses, 83% are surviving check by check. 83% are desperate to bring in cash today because they can't pay the bills, the rent, and the owner. Doesn't pay themselves, and I, at first I thought, "I'm like Jeff, there, there's something wrong with us, man. Like, why can't we figure this out?" We, the reason we start our business, in part, is for financial freedom. I think actually the two biggest drivers for starting a business is to do what brings us joy, impact, and to have financial freedom. Yet, for the vast majority of us, neither those come true. We don't achieve financial freedom. We're actually beholden to the business financially. We start to lament and resent our business. And so the joy is gone. So the two reasons we it are the two things that don't happen. So we have to take our profit first. We are it's, it's a responsibility to be profitable. It's the only way that you can be of impact and be of service to others and yourself.
0: So th- this is so parallel to just investing for personal wealth of pay yourself first. And I'm putting myself in the shoes of the person who's listening to this and going, okay, I'm starting a business or I'm a small business owner. And I love the idea, Mike, kudos to you. Yet, I don't have profit right now or I don't have enough at the end for profit as well as to pay myself a salary. So how does somebody actually approach this and start living it?
2: Yeah, so that's... (laughs) And that's the most common resistance I get is I can't take my profit first until I'm profitable. That's the same as someone saying, I don't exercise and I'm not fit and I need to wait until I'm fit before I can exercise. <laughs> and uh, you know, in, when you look at it that visually, then it's like, no, the only way to become fit is by starting the exercise. Now, you don't run a marathon on your first workout. You got to build your way to it. Every business that's generating revenue has an opportunity, has profit baked into it. We just need to extract it and, and and adjust accordingly. So what we do is any... What I've done was any business... And we have over 300,000 businesses that have successfully implemented Profit First. And it, it's now scaling at the uh, exponential rate, which is so amazing to watch. But that, what this translates to is we have a lot of case studies. The businesses that successfully implement Profit First start very slow and they let it grow. What I mean by this is... Say a $1,000 deposit comes in. We used to say, oh, $1,000 in my bank account, I have $1,000 to spend. And now that you know the basics of the system, no, you don't. This money has multiple purposes, profit, tax, owner's comp, and so forth. So now the money comes in and we allocate the money toward profit. Say 10% of that money. And and if you're just starting out, I suggest starting at 1%. Say 10%, that's $100 goes in your profit account and so forth. Now you see in your OPEX when it all bleeds out, you don't have $1,000 to spend. You have $400 to spend. And it's at this moment that people say, well, look, I only have 400 I have you know, $1,200 of bills. Clearly, this isn't working. And the answer is, it is working. Now your business is speaking to you. Because if you want to achieve a 10% profit, if you want to pay yourself, you must work within the confines of $400. And that means you have to cut unnecessary expenses and you'll be surprised. Many owners are surprised. I'm always surprised at how many expenses can be cut. And secondarily, increase margin, dictate a premium. Sell at a higher level, and that's the two drivers of it. So if you take your profit first, and, we, and I always suggest starting slow at one percent. If you've never done this before, thousand dollars comes in, we're playing ten bucks there. It's a very small amount, but it's going to start building this behavior of oh, I can take my profit first, and you'll start adjusting accordingly. And then maybe next month or next quarter goes to two percent and three, five, ten. You start amplifying it, but you'll start adjusting accordingly.
0: So here, here's what I love about what you're saying is. We have this motto, think big, go small, trust Mm -hmm. the dominoes will fall. Mm -hmm. Think big about being the type of owner that allocates their profit first, who allocates owner's compensation first, who sets aside the money for the tax man so that you can actually operate the business. Go small by identifying 1%. Yes. Can you put away $10? Which all of us, if we started by saying, Hey guys, um, your one thing that we want you from this episode is to start saving $10 a month from your business. And everybody's like, Yeah, Jeff, how does that lead to extraordinary results? But if you can understand that it's about building the behavior, learning to build the muscle of allocating money for your profit first. And over time, it can scale.
2: Jeff, Jeff, that's exactly it. And it's just... It's just like any other behavior. So I was studying diet and food. Uh, it's interesting how much physical fitness translates into fiscal fitness. And as I'm studying this, the people that have the greatest success in change do incremental small change, but persistent. So with Profit First, what I found is when you allocate that 1%, it, it should be a no-brainer. And it is a no-brainer for almost everybody. Because if you can run a business off of, let's use that $1,000 example, you can run your business off nine hundred ninety dollars. You will find a way. There's no question. It's such an inconsequential amount, but what's highly consequential is every time you log in that bank account, you see that ten bucks sitting there, and the next time money comes in, you put the one percent there, and now that ten bucks becomes twenty or thirty or whatever it becomes. But you start to see it grow, and for the first time in your business, you have not just a profit, but you have what's called a cash distrib- distributable profit. You have money in a bank account that is sole intention is to reward a shareholder, the person took the risk of operating this entity. So that money sits there. And what we're going to do at a periodic basis, I, I teach this in the book, but usually every 90 days, the money that's sitting in that profit account comes out in portion, in part, as a distribution to the shareholders. And the rule is the shareholder can only use it for their own effects. It's not to be plowed back or pushed back in the business. Those terms actually nauseate me because those are the very soft terms for saying, "Oh, more expenses for the business. No, no your business must live off its operating expenses. You're, you're designing your business to to support the profit you want. We're reverse engineering the profitability. And when the profit comes out, now it's a distribution to you. And, and when I did this for myself, I started this now 11 years ago. I've had 43 consecutive quarters of profit distributions. But my first quarter was my favorite. It was the smallest amount. I took out truly $8. And um, <laughs> everyone said, I went to the, the, the cashier, the banker, the cashier. And I said, hey, uh, could you keep that in all singles, please? And you know, I wanted to fan myself with it. And I, I took the eight bucks and I went to Starbucks. Um, and I, I said, Give me, I want the best coffee I can get for eight bucks, which ends up being like a small coffee, uh, shockingly, at Starbucks. But that coffee, Jeff, was the most delicious coffee of my life. Because for the first time, there was no debit or credit card I was using. It wasn't a business expense, it wasn't an expense I had to incur in the future. I wasn't borrowing for it. For the first time, my business said, Here's a reward, do what you want with it. And it starts building the muscle. And I'm like, oh my gosh, eight bucks? What if this was $8,000 or whatever? And over time, I started to build to those and greater objectives, but it has to start small. We, I had to convince myself the system worked. And that's how I invite mm-hmm. all people to work with Profit First. Start small to convince yourself it works for you and then expand on it.
0: Let's dive into Parkinson's law here because I know that when it, when people start trying to implement this, they're going to face the brutal reality of their business talking back at them and saying, hey, your expenses are too high for you to actually have the yeah. relationship with the goals that you want. So Parkinson's Law, to recap, is the idea, I'm paraphrasing here, that work expands the time you allow it. That's you know, exactly you, it. Yep. Right? So yep. if you give yourself two weeks to do a project, you will take two weeks. If you give yourself eight weeks, it will take eight weeks. And then the same applies to money. So yep. walk us through how it applies to our expenses. So so this guy, Northcote
2: Parkinson's, a behavioral theorist, I think from the 1950s, studying uh, the relation between resource or supply and demand. And exactly to your point, the more s- supply of time, the longer it takes uh, because we work more or less efficiently within it. Well, this is true for money too and, and toothpaste. Uh, is the example I use in the book. <laughs> the more money that's made available, the, the more we consume of it, and the less we become more innovative. And that was Parkinson's second principle. The more available resource, we more we consume, the less it brings about forced frugality, which is very obvious. It also brings about innovation. So the example of toothpaste is funny because I think we can all relate to it. And, and whoever's listening in tonight, you, my friend, will be experiencing this. And, and here's what happens. You get ready to brush your teeth tonight, and... Uh, either have an empty tube of toothpaste or a full tube of toothpaste. That's usually the one or two scenarios. The full tube, we squirt that toothpaste out on our toothbrush and start brushing away. Or if you turn the faucet on and the toothpaste falls in the sink, you don't touch it. That's pretty gross. You, you squirt more out because you have a full tube of toothpaste. So we use it excessively or lavishly without even noticing. In the second scenario where it's an empty tube of toothpaste like that prune-like situation, now all of a sudden... We the twisting and turning, the force we'll put into it. People become highly innovative. They cut off the back end of the toothpaste. People put in the door jam and close the door. There's even inventions made to extract the toothpaste at this level, these little slips. And also, we'll start to use less. We don't need a full long bead now, just you know, one one drop on one bristle hair is adequate for a fresh, minty mouth. What's so interesting is the toothpaste will last on a new tube, you know, three, four weeks. An empty tube of toothpaste, some people can extend for three or four weeks. So it's not the um, the size of the tooth or the amount in the tube, it's how we manage what's available. And when there's less, when there's a constrained supply, we start to be innovative, twist, turn, put in the door jam, and we start to be frugal. We use less. So this is true for time. It's true for every effect of life toothpaste. It's true for money. When we constrain the amount of cash available in the operations of the business, this is where we'll start to wring out the value of the few dollars we have less. We we start using instead of buying new stuff, we buy used stuff. Um, We 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 find ways to negotiate and even um, you know barter uh, the solutions we need. We still drive the same results. We just do it more frugally by taking your profit first, by taking your compensation first, by reserving for taxes first. The money left over is now that shriveled up tube to of toothpaste and this becomes your greatest ally. You'll start operating your business naturally in a far more frugal, efficient, and innovative way.
0: Mm, I love that. And it's so true. I just keep thinking about it. my wife. When the toothpaste gets about like 80% empty, Yeah, she goes to throw it away. No! Oh, I, that's exactly what I did when I was like, honey, give it to me. I will take your leftovers. And that bad boy will last me months. Months, baby, months. Oh, yeah.
2: Well, you know, and, and we really want to force upon ourselves, like, you know, I, I suspect she feels comfortable throwing away because it's cheap, it's dispensable, and there's another one in the closet. When I travel, I just have my little travel toothpaste. I, I did a two-week trip through India, um, and it was hotel to speech to the next hotel to airport. Constantly. I, I didn't get time to stop anywhere. Uh, and, and scout for toothpaste. That little tube, whatever it is, like a quarter ounce of toothpaste, lasted the entire time because I knew I had no alternative. When when we set up the profit first system, it will become very tempting to go to a new "quote unquote" tube. If we just leave the money in that profit account sitting there in front of us and our opex is empty, eh, you might as well borrow from yourself, which then defeats this. It becomes a shell game if you do that. So what I teach in Profit First, we need to remove the temptation from even borrowing from ourselves. Hide the profit away. And there's ways to do that, but hide the profit away, hide the tax away. Pay yourself out of the owner's comp and normalize salary so that you do feel the squeeze and you don't have another tube just waiting for you.
0: You, You've brought this up multiple times now and it's worth diving in. What's the difference between profit, for distribution and owner's comp, and why do you need both?
2: Great freaking question, and the and perhaps one of the most misunderstood concepts. Profit is a reward for shareholder investment, meaning taking the risk risk of investing, starting a business, owning equity. What you're doing is you uh, own a business that's contributing value to your community, uh, your your country, our world, and. You've done what 93% of the world population will never do. Only 7% of the world population are business owners and entrepreneurs. 93% will work for us in some capacity. Um, and sometimes they work for us as employees. Other ways they work for us in vendor, as vendors, but we we all, as an entrepreneur, you're supplying for the economy. This is the thank you. The profit is a thank you for make, taking on that extraordinary risk because your business could fail. And sadly, many small businesses do. I want to stop that, but many do. I, here's an example. I, I own stock in Ford. Ford sent me a distribution check, $13.23. I can see it right in front of me now uh, in my mind. And here's what I didn't do. I didn't say, oh, Ford, I don't deserve this. Take the money back. I'm going to plow it back into the company, meaning they can spend it. Now, I own the stock. I'm hoping the stock will go up, but if it doesn't, it may go down. I took on risk. This is a reward for me taking risk. If I got the 13 bucks too. I didn't call Ford and say, hey, I got to earn this money. Can I work? the factory line for a little bit. No, this is my reward. We are all shareholders. Our shareholders, in many cases, of small business, where we started the company. When that money comes out, it's a reward for you for taking the risk because the valuation of your stock could go up or go down. And if it goes down because you're the minority shareholder, you may own 100% of this business, the consequence is harsh. So this is a thank you. Owners pay which can also come with a distribution check. That's just a technicality. But owner's compensation is your normalized salary. It's a salary that uh, you get paid for the work you do within your business. It's called an owner-operator. And a real simple way to calculate this is, if you had to hire someone else to do all the work you're doing, what would you pay them? You may say, well, I'm just picking a random number, $100,000 a year. Great. That should be your salary. So the business needs to pay you. You're an employee just like you would have hired someone else. That salary is designed to support your lifestyle. That's what you live off of. You also are a shareholder in this business. And so when those checks come out, the profit distributions, that's as a reward, as a thank you to you for investing in the business. And you can use it in any form you feel appropriate for your own interests. Pay off your own debt, pay for college celebrate with it, put into your savings, but it never, never goes back in the business.
0: So here, here's why we dove into this, to this level of depth. Like Mike shared, the vast majority of small business owners, over 80% are managing it just by money showing up in the bank account and whatever is left is their comp. And what I'm hearing you say, Mike, is there's a better way. It's called figure out what your salary is, as the operator. Pick a number. That goes there. Figure out what your profit is on a monthly basis for owner distributions. Put it in there. And then leverage Parkinson's Law so that you have more constraint around your expenses so you get more innovative and creative.
2: Dude, you summarized that perfectly. It's exactly what you said.
0: What's an example of a company that's done this?
2: So I'll give you my favorite example because it it, it points to not just driving profitability. It points to when we focus on profitability, how absurd the industry standards can be and may, should inspire you, the owner, to challenge the industry norms. You know, the industry operates this way because of habits and, and routine and culture, but it doesn't mean that's the way the industry should be. And, and uh, bringing about disruption can be. Uh, extraordinary to the growth and health of a business. So uh, <clears throat> let me give you some examples. And I write about them in the book because they were so extraordinary. There is a baseball team, uh, and I won't reveal their name just yet, but I'll give it to you in a few minutes. This baseball team, uh, when the owner acquired it, is not is not a major league team, by the way. When this owner acquired it, implemented profit first. The end result is. Uh, through the implementation of Profit First, it triggered such innovation and such profitability that this baseball team is the only baseball team of all minors, all-stars, and major leagues uh, to sell out four consecutive seasons, meaning actual seat sales and attendance. Every single game, it's a packed stadium. And no other team pulls this up. Um, Additionally, they are the most profitable by... I don't know the exact times, but like a five or 10 times more profitable than any other baseball team on a cash basis than my, in, in the minors or majors. I'm sorry, minors or all-stars. And in the majors, this team is more profitable on a percentage basis, I believe, than most, if not all of them. Uh, so here's the big reveal. The, the company and the baseball team is called the Savannah Bananas, <laughs> which is <laughs> the best name ever. And after this, this podcast is done, anyone listening in, you got to Google them and check them out because the innovation. The owner's name is Jesse Cole. And here's what Jesse shared with me. When he acquired the team, average attendance to his games, the team was not called the Savannah Bananas, by the way, it was something else, was um, 300 people in, in the stadium. And uh, that's true for most minor leagues. Very low attendance. People that buy baseball teams like that are usually because it's, it's an ego thing. It serves their uh, aspiration to, to, to have a baseball team. Jesse went into this to be profitable. He implements Profit First from day one and says, wow, with, with 300 people, you're paying $10 to take us $3,000 to operate a team, forget it. He goes, uh, he implements Profit First and he sees there's not even enough money to operate the scoreboard. Here's what he does. He says, okay, we got to turn off the scoreboard, first of all. This is true. They literally turned off the scoreboard to save on the electricity and noticed that no one in the stadium of those 300 people, cared or even noticed. Like, who cares about that? He, he, know, he said that tickets were sold through uh, a system that you to buy. It's a ridiculously expensive system, like five, uh, I think, $100,000. And they take 5% or whatever of every ticket sale. He goes, I can't do it. He's like, so we went back to old-fashioned tickets. But he's an innovator. He said, we're going to make the tickets in the shape of a banana, and they're going to become mementos. Then he said, why are people coming to this game? He said, most people come to entertain. This is a shock of shocks. Baseball is kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. So he uh, he says, we need to entertain more. But he goes, with private first, I can't afford entertainment. You know, the the, the person in the costume running down along the baselines and stuff with the mascot. I can't afford it. All I have are the baseball players. These are baseball players that are the best athletes from college that, that come to these. because they're free. What he decided was the first day of practice as a savannah dance baseball player you will not learn more about baseball you won't throw better or catch better we're going to teach you how to line dance absolutely true they have a line dance choreographer there who teaches you how to line dance and so what happened now these baseball players started to line dance and the audience started to notice this like oh my god you go to a baseball game and there's these baseball players doing these dances and stuff it's kind of fun Um, Fast forward, they start doing these highly innovative things. They do... uh, True title, they do the banana in the pants routine. It's not (laughs) not what you think. It's not what you think. What they do is that they were able to negotiate with a banana sponsor uh, to get free bananas. And they will announce at the stadium, hey, we're going to do the banana in the pants. Attendees will run to, there's an upper deck at the stadium, run to the upper deck, grab bananas, and throw these bananas off the deck. And baseball players will put these balloon-like pants on trying to catch them in their pants, the banana in the pants. (laughs) My favorite thing, though, I was so intrigued by this. My favorite thing was I went to multiple games now to observe this place. Four to, I'm sorry, 5,000 people in a stadium that can fit 4,500 people. Standing room only, it's packed. There's antics going on the whole time. I had the privilege of throwing out an opening pitch a few seasons back. I go there and I'm watching and Jesse Cole, the owner, still acts as the announcer. He goes, hey, we'd like to start the game off by asking any parents here with babies under uh, five months old to donate their baby for the opening ceremony. And that's the words he uses, donate their baby. And Jeff, I'm not kidding. There's mothers running down concrete steps with their baby like a football. And they run down, and out of all the quote-unquote donated babies, they will pick uh, a baby. They will then put this little baby in a banana costume. They will scurry the child to a the pitcher's mound, and all the baseball players will surrounded uh, with their fingers kind of flicking up and down. And the, the owner, Jesse, is holding the baby squat down so you can't see the baby. You just see this huddle around with these fingers flickering. And then all of a sudden, on the stereo blasting, you hear Akuna Matata from Lion King come on. <laughs> and Jesse leaps out, holding this baby up in the air like Lion King. And the audience loses their... <laughs> they go <laughs> crazy. And that's how the game starts. and. As a result, like I told you, four seasons sold out. Their their fifth season, uh, the 2020 season, which starts in uh, June, I believe, or maybe late May, um, is already uh, almost sold out. It'll be sold out in the next month or so. Their shirts and all their goodies and those type of stuff, uniforms, sold throughout the world. Uh, They've been on ESPN more than any minor league baseball team in history. Uh, And there's even talks about doing a TV show about them. They've become the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball. And uh, Jesse's actually become a friend of mine, and attributes a lot of this to profit first. Because when you take your profit first, it doesn't say, you know, just cut costs. That's a small part of it. What it really says is, how do you get so innovative and drive the same results? And that's what he's done.
0: Mm, I love it. I love it. And here's here's something how it relates to you living the one thing. It's this idea that we've shared for all of us who have ever been on a vacation, ever. Mm -hmm. How much did you get done the day before vacation? (laughs) A ton, right? Exactly. Because constraints create clarity. When you have a constraint on your time, you suddenly become very clear. These are the things I must do. I need my ID. I'm going on a plane. Oh, I'm going international. I need my passport." You get extremely clear on the things that you need to do. And when we start talking about managing our time with a 411 and time blocking, you get clear on the 20% and you have constraints knowing that if you're going to have a relationship with your goals, you must get these big rocks done this week in order to be on track for your goals or you fall behind. It's the same principles, yet with money. Everything does not matter equally when it comes to your expenditure. And what I'm hearing you say, Mike, is that there is a 20% that matters most. It's called profit. It's called owner's comp. It's called taxes. And everything else is everything else. That's exactly and, right. And that's the operating expenses.
2: Yeah. You just, I mean, yeah, that's exactly right, Jeff. That's the Pareto principle, right? So Vincenzo Pareto. Uh, studied uh, this. He's, he was an Italian economist. You, I'm sure you're familiar with this story. Of course. Yeah. And so he determined that 20% of the Italian wealth was was uh, managed by 80% of the population. But more importantly, 80% of the wealth was managed by 20% of the population. But he found this phenomena to play out everywhere in the world. Even in, like, he, he was a gardener. And uh, as he grew pea plants, he noticed that only 20% of the plants yielded 80% of the pea pods and 80% yielded 20%. It's actually interesting, even in, like right now, people can observe themselves. If you look at the clothing you're wearing of your entire closet, uh, of the the items you have in there, 20% of our clothing we wear 80% of the time. So chances are right now you're wearing either your favorite shoes, your favorite pants or shirt, or perhaps a combination thereof. Well, this is true in business too. That 20% of our activity you, drives 80% of the benefit. By focusing on those three accounts, that's the 20%. By focusing on those things, it drives 80% of the health of an organization. Start with your profit
0: first. That's right. That's right. So, Mike, let's let's fly us up to 10,000 feet and make it really simple. Yeah. Somebody's listening to this going, Okay, Mike... I'm bananas for profit first now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I hope they said that. Yeah. walk out. They're wearing a clown costume too. walk waka. Right. waka.
0: That's, that's right. Give them very practically what do they need to do immediately following this episode to get started. I, I, I will give you two steps. I'll even make a big promise.
2: If you do this and stick with it, I guarantee permanent profitability in your business. Permanently. And it's so ridiculously simple. Step one, at the conclusion of this podcast, immediately contact your bank. You can... Go over there. You got to meet with them and set up an account. We're going to set up a savings account. But the shortcut is you can just email them, say, I'm coming in, have the documentation ready. I want to set up one savings account. Um, If you do this in person, it takes a half hour. If you send them an email, you you sign a couple of papers, probably five minutes. That's step one. Set up a savings account and call profit. Step two, starting today, is every deposit comes in, simply allocate 1% to the profit account. Not a penny more, just 1%. Because as we shared earlier, by doing this, you're going to start building the profit muscle. You will not get rich overnight, and that's not the goal here. But you will get rich in confidence. So when you see 1% going in and that profit sitting there in cash, it's just a matter of time. And like I said, we have over 300,000 businesses doing this. So I know for sure it's a matter of time, maybe a few weeks or a few months that you say, change this to 2%, 3%, and you start amplifying it. The successful rollouts of the entire profit-first system, as I have it documented in the book, That entire process for most businesses that successfully do it takes six months to 12 months. But they all started today because doing is everything. They started today by just saying one account, savings, coin profit and allocating 1%. I
0: love that. That's so good. You should write a book.
2: (laughs) <laughs> I was thinking about that and maybe calling Profit First.
0: Well, well, there we go. So, which by the way, for those of you who uh, like to read, whether in physical copy or audio, check out Profit First and he goes into much more detail here. And speaking of books, part of the reason we're also doing this episode, um, if you have enjoyed the witty banter between Mike and myself, you're going to get a chance to join us live at the end of... Of April, where we will be doing our every month we do a one thing webinar where we feature a best selling author <coughs> Mike, and we're going to be talking about your new book coming up. So I can't wait. Walk walk us through your new book.
2: So uh, I just want I got to start off by Jeff by saying thanks. It is such a privilege to be speaking with you, and then to do that together. It's like wow. It's it's the sugar on top of sugar. It's like amazing.
0: For you bring uh, your jump rope. I'll bring mine.
2: Yeah, yeah. We should do that. I'll, I'll just embarrass myself as you. Uh, do your freaking gymnastic moves. Um, but the new book is called Fix This Next. And the thesis of the book is this, that the biggest challenge business owners face is knowing what their biggest challenge is. <laughs> right? So we it's, it's knowing the one thing. What's my one thing? So most owners' agendas are dictated more by what streams in their email and the incessant stream of questions from colleagues as opposed to going in with clarity on the impactful element of the business that needs its attention now. Fix This Next is a hierarchy that... Or compass is probably a better choice of words that will pinpoint what to work on. I found as I researched out this book, and I spent about five years developing this and working on it and and testing it, the worst guide to successfully navigating our business is gut instinct. Most entrepreneurs revert to, I just trust my gut and that's what I'm doing. And I found that actually is more hurtful than anything else we can do in our business. So this is a compass that will complement your your gut and direct you to what you need to work on to have permanent growth, healthy growth in your business.
0: Well, you are speaking everyone's language because when you talk about most people's days being driven by their email, that's why they're listening to this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Them. Yeah. So folks, if you'd like to join Mike and myself, you can head on over to com slash monthly webinar. That is with the number one in the URL. com slash monthly webinar. And you will be able to join us live. And I would encourage you, genuinely, it's not just me asking questions. We want to crowdsource it. We want to know what you want to know. And you will have the opportunity to submit those and help curate and customize this experience. So make sure that you join us. Mike, I, I really appreciate you investing the time with us today, coming on the show. I can't wait to hang out with you some more at the end of April. That's uh, awesome. Anything you'd, you. like to, anything you'd like to share before we wrap up?
2: Just how much I appreciate you. And, and if I can share the resources that may help people... You uh, okay, I appreciate that. So it's MikeMotorBike.com. And the reason it's MikeMotorBike.com is that was my nickname in high school. And no one can spell McCallowitz So... MikeMotorbike.com has all the resources for Profit First, actually for all my books. There's a button that says Get the Tools. It's one email. You don't need to subscribe or anything. One email, I send you all the resources to get you started. There's a one sheet for Profit First specifically that you may want.
0: There we go. Cool. All right, my friend. We'll
2: look forward to it. Thanks, brother.
0: Well, there you have it. My conversation with Mike Michalowicz, best-selling author of Profit First and the upcoming author of Profit Fix This Next, which is highly aligned with The One Thing, which is why he will be joining us at the end of April on The One Thing webinar at slash monthly webinar. Sincerely, folks, if you are a business owner, you've got to ask the question, why did I get in the business in the first place? And the truth is, there's no way that you can truly fulfill your mission if you can't fund it. That's why The Business Is One Thing is to generate a profit. So based on what Mike said today, can you open up your planner or your digital calendar and block time to go to your bank or to send your bank the email. That's the lead domino. Because if you do that, are you more or less likely to show up and tell them to allocate 1% of all funds that come into this account into this profit account? And just start there. You fast forward 12 months, you might be very surprised at what's there. And you fast forward over the course of years, I think you'll be living a very different kind of life. Thank you so much for listening to the One Thing Podcast. If this has brought value to you, please share it with somebody. And if you are new to the show, welcome, click the subscribe button so all future episodes are automatically downloaded to your device of choice. And while you're at it, leave us a rating and review because it helps us reach more people. Thanks so much. We look forward to being with you in the next episode.